Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spoiler Party. I am Claire. I'm Micah. And today we are talking about the second Meg Langslow Christmas mystery titled Duck the Halls. Yes, we are. But before we get into that, this time Micah has a fun fact for us. All right. So I'm usually the fun fact person, so this is very exciting. As you know, I like measuring things. You do? You know, I do like to measure things. Um, I also like esoteric uh, knowledge. So this is really a question about methodologies here. Ooh, I'm already excited. If you were going to decide what the central point of the contiguous United States was, how would you go about finding that out? I would get drunk in a bar and debate it until we decided that it was my bar. My bar is the center of everything, actually. Uh, so that is an excellent method. That is actually how one place decided they were at the central point of um, North America. The mm-hmm. full of North America was decided uh, in a bar. Turns out not that far away from what has been defined as the central point of North America by various people, which is actually rugby north dakota which has been redefined actually as central north dakota by somebody else who figured out that actually you have to be take into account the curvature of the earth when do when plotting <laughs> out the, yeah right because yeah, yeah, yeah. real big big brain math shit right that's okay, how you have to I have decide a, I have on an this. important question before we move on yeah uh was central named central before or after this before. decision oh before hell yeah yeah incredible struck a luck on that one mates um and so that is how you would think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Someone sits down with longitudes and latitudes, gets some measurements out, um, whatever. Absolutely. Makes sense. But what if it's the year is 1918? <laughs> and you're like, fuck math. There's a flu going on. Um, oh, good point. Right? There's a pandemic. But we still we need to... <laughs> no one <laughs> right? about one of those. <laughs> Nothing about one of those. How, how about you take a cardboard cutout of the United States of America, <laughs> place it on your fucking finger <laughs> and see where it stops. <laughs> see where it stops. Wait, where it stops? Like from falling over. Are they like spinning it on their finger like a fucking basketball? No, they're just holding it up on a point to see when it, when is, where it's most balanced. This makes no sense. They were only 20 miles off. No. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay, well, they had to have been really careful about making it, like, um, like mapping it appropriately on yes. the ball. So that's cool. Like, like they, they make cardboard, uh-huh. cut out the U.S., uh-huh. and just hold a, hold a fucking finger. <laughs> it's, it finishes balancing. There's the center of the United States. Huh. One more quick fact about the middle of the United States, right? This is a fun one. So who do you think is the biggest type of criminal in the world. Don't worry, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Would you imagine it being a nice 80-year-old lady on a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere? Absolutely. Okay, well, it is. And the reason (laughs) is because uh, one of the people who map IP addresses, one of the people, one of the corporations who map IP addresses, Mm -hmm. anytime they have an unknown location. So you know how- Oh, I know a little bit about this because of our Reply All episode, but continue. Oh, nice. So they just map- Basically, anytime they don't know where it is in the U.S., and which is for a lot of reasons, uh, VPN usage, other kinds of like ways to hide it. Sometimes people, like, the systems, are not, they're not actually that um, uh, precise. Mm-hmm. 
They just map them all to a generic middle of the country spot, uh-huh. which happens to be this old woman's farmhouse. <laughs> and so she just for years and years just got punched in the head with uh, notices about all the pirate she's doing and uh-huh. like the Ill- like the actual like real illicit illegal activities that she's taken a part of mm-hmm. and just other random like notices or whatnot because they would just plot the IP address to her place because sure. Yeah, there's a similar thing on, on Reply All. Someone did the super tech, a super tech support. And there's this couple that um, people kept coming to their house accusing them of stealing their phones because, like, all the Find My Phone things, like Apple's, but also, like, other companies, like, I don't know, Verizon, T Mobile. Right. Whatever. Various Find My Phone functions were all showing that the phone was at their house. That's and messed up. it's been a bit since I listened to it, but it turned out to be some sort of thing like that, where it's like when they couldn't find the the right spot for it, they just kind of put it on this couple's house. Yeah, they just dropped it right there in the yeah. spot, and everyone's like, and apparently "Wow!" This is like, I mean, obviously not a common thing, but like a thing that has happened to multiple people, mm-hmm. either with the find my phone thing or like you said with the lady with the um, piracy issues, right. uh, where like you you think about this stuff being so much more precise because they're tracking us all all the time, and it mm-hmm. does get very very specific. But then but this also, is, but this is actually this is actually the reason why you should not get too bent out of shape whenever you receive a sort of like uh, shutdown notice from your company tracing to a specific to an IP address, um, because the argument in court a lot of times has been like that ain't me, dog. Y'all don't actually know. You don't know. <laughs> clearly, Cl- clearly you don't know. So uh, this is not a endorsement of piracy. Or something like, you anyone, like, like the feds are fucking listening to this shit. So, I mean, don't do shit that could potentially get you arrested. I'm not that's endorsing. The, that's that actually the real point is yeah. don't do things that might get you arrested or, or have your internet fined. shut off. Right, you don't want your internet shut off. That or, sucks. Well, you're like, man, I really need to watch the last episode of Mass Singer, but now or I don't have internet anymore. And your power goes out, and then even if the power gets on. Your freaking internet doesn't come back on for hours and hours afterwards. Uh, hours and hours. Try days. Okay, that's true. It was days. Yeah. Because <laughs> Spectrum is an excellent internet provider. That's what happens when you have monopolies. Absolutely. So, fun facts. Fun facts. All right. And now it's on to the subject of the podcast, Duck the Halls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, I'd forgotten how much time passed between this and the first Christmas mystery. At first, I was like, man, did I pick up the wrong one? Uh, despite like, double checking it. Because you're used, to, you're used to the being annualized now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming out more, almost annually these days. But um, in the first Christmas mystery, Meg is not even pregnant. She's not pregnant. She's not. Um, she just got married. Because we, yeah. She had just got married after the. Because after the, we were making jokes about whatever. how they're they're going to go make babies in the. um Yeah. The, the barn or whatever. In the barn, because mom is like. Yeah. Um, And in this one. The twins are four. four. Yeah, they are alive and active. They are like whole humans. And so eventually, whenever we get to doing the entire series at some point in the future, we will get to see the see them be babies and then grow up or what have you over time. But it is it was a shock <laughs> getting into here and being like, oh, humans. Wait, <laughs> they're full. But yeah, with impeccable speech patterns, gamma swing, etc. Snack. Not they have, they I have know, I know. Wrong but there, child. But there, but there is. They do get to handle a snake. Or they get to handle a snake. Be excited about a snake at least. They, are, yeah. they don't handle the snake. Yeah. The snake just appears. Yes. Um. Um. So we said we we're gonna do a brief little like whatever. So the the main throughput of the hijink 
that surround this particular murder. See, what happened was, is after we recorded the last episode, we realized that we never even talked about the geese. The and t- it's right there the in the title. Geese. The titular yeah. geese. Yeah. So we're, so talking we're about making sure to talk about the ducks this time. All right. Um, before that, important notice. We're going to start keeping track of this. We have a surfeit of skunks. Yes. Um, Names for animal groups of animals. And these books have taught me a number of, like, I knew a few, but I forget them. But these books bring up uh, animal groupings or what have you. And a surfeit of skunks is one of my favorites. Yes. Because I don't know what a surfeit is other than a group of skunks. So, um, anyway. So, this one revolves around um, someone bringing a bunch of skunks into the large Baptist church choir loft a whole loft gets sprayed so the church cannot do any of their New Year Christmas functions because it's like literally hazardous and anyone who's actually been not just smelled one on the highway but ever right. been near actual like a recent skunk spray it is noxious it's intense. It, yeah. yeah like your eye watering like I've never been sprayed yeah. by a skunk but I have been in an area where a skunk has recently has sprayed, sprayed right. and legitimately eye watering nose yeah. like bad stuff so like the dude who got sprayed in the face because he's like the uh caretaker of the church or whatever Mm -hmm. he goes temporarily blind right so which is which is a real side effect of getting a direct shot to the eyes from skunk spray and i just have to imagine that getting into the christmas spirit is challenging oh he's done when well for him specifically but also just i mean people try to sit in that church with a skunk smell right so meg because she is capable mother and the pastor of her church come to her and say hey what if you organ? What if you organize every church yeah. in this city? Basically, all the churches and um, synagogues synagogue, and whatever. Um, the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> yes, eventual bowling alley for the uh, for the mass. Have all agreed to kind of help out to move around events and mm-hmm. such, but we need someone to, to organize organize it. it. Which makes sense. And Meg, but the thing is, at least in this book now, because we've gone, it's been a long time since the last Christmas episode. The town has changed, literally changed ownership. Yep. Twice because they got bought by an evil corporation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then rebought by the town. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Randall Shifley is now the mayor mm-hmm. instead of just some dude building her house. Yep. And um, she is, I don't think she, is she the mayor, officially a mayor's She's not the, she's not the mayor's yet. yet. No. But. I don't think. Not yet. But that's coming. And so, yep. like, at least we're getting to a place where she is. It's a new world order. More order. professional. Yeah. In this aspect, in ter- like, you know, it's not so. purely just oh, shove this up on Meg. Like, this is right. getting to be more of like her. This is like this is becoming more of her actual career, right. uh, with a side of blacksmithing. She's still a blacksmith. She is still a blacksmith. She makes still she still makes sure to have at least one line in every book where she goes, "And I'm stronger than you might expect from a woman due to all my blacksmithing." Right. <laughs> I'm slightly Amazonic and also I'm a blacksmith, so I could take him. I'm both tall and strong for a woman. Exactly. Me and my five foot frame, five foot ten frame, I'm not used to people looking down on me. There's so many tall people in these books, by the way, They're because all, she's constantly like, massive. man, I'm not used to looking up to people at my five foot ten. He had to be six, four, six, 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 seven. I'm like, all it's my family. tall people. That's true. It's your family. <laughs> but yeah, but legitimately, everybody in this series is very tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. Except for the occasional, like, diminutive person, like, um, Caroline Wilner. Caroline Wilner. Or her mom, I think, is also supposed to be very small. Her mom is very small, small yes. Yeah. 
And in it's that like, case, they get called diminutive a lot. Right. Right. Oh, she's so small and frail. I haven't realized how small and frail she was because <laughs> I am here and I am massive. Um, this makes it sound like this is like shitty writing. So for anyone who hasn't read these books, it's actually very good writing. It is very good writing. We're poking loving fun. It's good. Look, we've read these books a lot. So we've all read these books jokes. <laughs> um, so it starts out with the skunks in the choir loft and that progresses um, to making uh, Meg in charge of making sure Christmas runs on time. Um, and so this puts her in a position to have to go between all these different churches and there's chaos afoot and so and then we get an escalating series of pranks the first we have um skunks in the choir loft at the baptist church and then in the you know what episcopalian church episcopalian church we have a snake we get a snake in the greenery uh, in the greenery for because it's a christmas season or whatever a very large snake from the zoo an emerald python yes uh shows up cleopatra is her name yes we like Cleopatra. She's, She's nice. a good friend. Good snake. Um, good thing she was not pregnant. It's not a bad time for snakes to be pregnant because it's <laughs> winter time. But like, I believe she gets pregnant in one of the books. I think that might be true. Uh, uh, we do we do uh, specifically point out the appropriate word for snakes hibernating because they don't they don't they don't hibernate. hibernate. They, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a bee. It's like bromate or something. Mm, it's not actually. I think you're. I think, you're, cor- think, I think you're correct. It's something close to that. At but least. like. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> I will find this out. I'm going to whatever. But um, so yeah, that's the basically that's like the main thrust of the story is that the town is in then we move on to chaos. Ducks, ducks, and the Baptists. Captain, no Catholics. Catholic, oh, you're Catholic right, Church, Catholics because Father Biblic. Father Biblic because they have a loading dock. And they have a loading dock, and so someone brought literally a farm full of ducks. Yes, no, not a farm full of ducks. Cousin, um. The Shifley cousin. Whichever Shifley cousin. Cousin Quincy has so many ducks, even though they took hundreds of his ducks to put in the church. There's still so many ducks that you couldn't actually tell at first that some of the ducks had been stolen. Yes. But they did bring an entire, like, moving van uh, full of ducks. Full of ducks. Um, And after some ducks have been left in a room overnight, you imagine that's also not going to be pleasant to be in. All this has happened and no murder yet. No murder. By the way. This is one of the. This is one of the great books where the murder happens <laughs> far into the book, and then is resolved. Not actually quickly. There are some that are resolved. Rare, there are some that are resolved very quickly. This one is not resolved that quickly. But um, still quickly enough for us to have a nice leisurely denouement as well. Oh yes, a nice denouement. Um, totally lost whatever I was gonna say. So whatever. So let's talk about the actual murder. Then we lose a. Uh, Hero and martyr to the cause. Oh, God. Barlam and Vess. We're going to have to fight about this again. Uh, yes. Uh, Barlam and Vess is a member of the Vestry. That's how I remember that he's a member of the Vestry. Vess is in the Vestry, Vest. yes. Um, who is a cantankerous old dick who um, hates everybody in the church for some reason, but still goes there all the time, and is a real miser and penny pincher. And... Uh, he looks over the books to make sure that people are not wasting the church's money, despite the fact that he's loaded, um, <laughs> which is why, uh, you know, he's a, he's a true martyr. He doesn't do it for himself. He does it for the people. Yes. Including yes, things like hiding tell in the me, closet. Tell me more about how much you how much you look up to and respect this rich, miserly, retired banker. Yeah. Tell me more, Micah. I like to be hiding in the closet <laughs> to catch whoever's leaving the lights on in the bathrooms. He wants to fire the cleaning staff. Because he's a bad person. Yes. And a martyr. No. <laughs> martyr. 
<laughs> An absolute martyr. No. Claire, actually, literally a martyr. He died oh, for the cause. God. <laughs> he died. For being a snoop. For being a snoop. <laughs> and trying to figure out who was wasting money. A 90 cent fucking phone call. He knew who made the 90 cent long distance. Also, um, for our children out in the audience. Um, it used to cost money to call long distance because right. everybody had a cell phone. And yeah, but in, order to, and in order to connect your phone to somebody in California from Virginia would incur a charge. Um, this charge was 90 cents. And Barlaman could not figure out any legitimate reason why somebody would use the church phone to make a phone call all the way out to California, which ties into the murder. To a storage facility. To a storage facility in California. Because he wanted to store his stolen goods. The bad guy wanted to sell his stolen goods. Yes, sorry. Not, not, the, not Barlow Invest. The Barlman, bad guy who Barlman named, Invest I guess, we is job. not a thief. Riddick Hedges. Riddick Hedges, otherwise known as Migraine Riddick in my world, uh, because he has fake migraines. <sighs> They're fake. Some of them are fake, probably. Okay. But I do have to drop in my requisite annoyance at uh at the pastor whose name Robin is Robin thank you you're welcome um or was it Meg one of them they're talking about it about the migraines I think Meg I think it's actually Meg from, it's Meg yeah. who suffers from headaches who's, who's like uh she asks where, where where Riddick is and and Robin's like uh it's it's his migraines migraine and uh, Meg is like didn't he just have a migraine yesterday I it always makes me mad. Because while my migraines are much less frequent these days due to being on a different form of birth control, who knew? Um, a lot of times migraines are like clustered for a lot of people like mm-hmm. me, who if I have a migraine one day, I will probably have a migraine for the next two to three days as well. And it sucks. And debilitating. And it's debilitating. Yes. So, right. just saying. I agree with you. Riddick's faking them. Uh, fine, yes. Riddick is frequently Because he's always them. doing them when a crime is happening. Yes, yes, fine. This fine. is what we learned. Because <laughs> he, stick, he stuck around all day, and then he had this final migraine when he was going to go kill someone. It's encouraging people to think that migraines are fake. Yes, and, and that migraine sufferers, sufferers are, are murderers. Exactly. Yep. Rude. I agree. Not here for it. <laughs> um, But yeah, that's Riddick Hitches, our murderer. He's, what he's doing is, it's, so a woman in the church died. And she left her entire estate to the church, her estate worth over a million dollars worth of junk and furniture or whatever, right? Between the house and the furniture. The house and the the furniture and and whatever. She left it all to the church. And so um, what this guy guy is in charge of taking care of all the uh, ramble sales. Ramble sales? Jumble sales. Jumble sales? I don't... My church is growing up never... Rummage sales? Um, Whatever. They're selling stuff. Estate sales. Uh, estate auctions. Estate auctions. Um, They're going to sell stuff and the money goes to the church. Correct. Um, and he's in charge. What he's been doing is been skimming off the top. And by skimming off the top, I mean he's been replacing the actually donated items to the church with fakes. And then selling those fakes at a pawn shop and giving the church like 100 bucks or something that should be worth $2,000. Right. And he's been doing this for years. And he, now this is his big haul. This is his big chance to score huge. And so he's running his operation. He's sending this stuff to California. But what he does not bank on is, is the true hero of this book, who is not Barlam and Vess, which look, is... How much toilet paper do you women need in the fucking bathroom while I'm sitting at home with my two-ply? Mega... Uh, oh, not Meg. It's mom. 
that's what I was trying to say. Meg's mom. But then I couldn't talk anymore because of how terrible Barlam and Vess is. Anyway, Meg's mom. A real winner. (laughs) Is the true hero because she is the one who recognizes the real worth of the antiques and stuff and gets suspicious as he starts replacing it with. No, she gets suspicious because Meg refers to it as junk. Yes. And even though we know that Meg's uh, cultural taste is about as trash as the rest of us compared to her mother, her mom is like, big, bulky junk. No, Meg knows I know that woman. Yeah. Meg just doesn't realize because she never actually saw the the original stuff. Right. And she's like, oh, well, maybe she had to sell off some of her original pieces or maybe this or maybe that. Whereas Mm -hmm. Meg's mother's like, no. No. I visited her like right before she died. We went through everything. Mm -hmm. She didn't have anything ugly in her house. There was nothing ugly. It was all class. Yes. It was a true dream, unlike my daughter here. (laughs) Um, Rude. Just saying. But um, yeah. And so she was upset about that. Um, And so she had to go and figure out what was going on. That's when Barlam and Vess, not Barlam and Vess, he was already dead. That's when Riddick got another migraine and had to go put an end to that shit. Because he was like, oh no. He really, some of these criminals are amazing because my dude was like, he just went straight to the gun. They all, they always go straight to the gun. But he went straight to the gun and was like, stop. And he could have like gotten, like not gotten away with it. They had found him out eventually, but he could have just left. Right. He could have just left. Right. At that point. You know, instead of like finding Meg's mom in the basement and being like, what if I shoot you? Yeah. Well, his, his, his goal, because it worked so well the first time was to just burn up the evidence. But the first Mm -hmm. time he tried to burn up the evidence, it didn't work because a bunch of parishioners were staying overnight to keep an eye on the church. Right. And they, they sounded the alarm early enough. But yeah, so there were some other uh, suspects before we got to Barlman Vess. No, wait, he's the dead guy. Yeah, we keep killing. We keep making Barlman <sighs> Vess the murderer, but he's it's not almost the murderer. like he's awful. It's almost like he's the martyr. <laughs> um, um, so there was Jerome Lightfoot, who's the uh, choir, choir director. director of New Life Baptist Church, and this one is real, right? So I imagine some people are going to read this book and think to themselves, "This man carrying on this way at a church." Like, why would they allow this to happen? Whatever. But turns out, oftentimes, big institutions suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, churches are not immune from sucking. In fact, they often breed suckiness. But if you have enough credentials uh, behind yourself, which he does, even though they're all fake, because he's not even really Jerome Lightfoot, um, you can get away with basically anything. You can do whatever you want. And so he comes in and the thing is the choir is good enough. And he knows, so he knows enough about music, right? To recognize a good potential spot when he sees one. The choir is good enough. He comes in and he's just like a tyrant because people really do assume that if you're just an awful person, that you must be good at something, <laughs> that you must be talented and like know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you just come in and someone's saying, you, yell you, you just yell at them and mm-hmm. act exasperated that then, that then, um, everyone is like, oh, that guy truly, he's just a perfectionist. <laughs> and it's like, nah, he's an ass. But to be fair, the, a lot of the New Life Baptist people have already recognized that he's a dick and they're going to not renew his contract. Absolutely. But in the meantime, his angle is that he gives all the solos to like the treasure, treasurer's daughter mm-hmm. in hopes of like... Yeah, he weasels his way into the church's good graces. Um, steals a bunch of money. Steals a bunch of money and then bounces to the next yeah. church. Um. He's been doing this for a little while now, but unfortunately someone dies here 
And so he gets. He hops it early. Yeah, he hops immediately. He's like, oh, <laughs> no, I didn't do that one. I got to go because they knew that he was going to get found out. Um, Our earliest cleared out other suspects are Ronnie and Caleb. They're a couple of teenagers and they did the first two pranks because they, they hate Lightfoot. Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah. They hate Jerome Lightfoot. He's trash. Uh, Ronnie's cousin deal. is Aida Butler's daughter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Aida Butler is one of the deputies for Chief Burke. And um, I believe one of the longest tenured Meg Lingslow fr- friends. I do believe. They actually talk to each other. Multiple books. And are friendly multiple books yes. so she might be the longest lasting like her and debbie ann Deb- i don't know if her and debbie ann are counts. the friend i'm not sure <laughs> debbie ann is ever allowed to leave the dispatching center no how come there is no other dispatcher she works 20 literally 24 7 yeah she, debbie ann is always they call pretty sure debbie ann is an eldritch being she oh debbie <laughs> ann is definitely an eldritch creature she is <laughs> in the same world as um mrs Columbo, just like yes so just one of these eldritch creatures that's around to help solve murders or what have you by just just existing constantly yeah, yeah. Uh, and also because she's been around for thousands of years loves to gossip <laughs> so. but luckily for my stress levels um ronnie and caleb get more or less cleared pretty early mm-hmm. even though there's still like some there's like some fake suspect. What I do appreciate is that their families are all inordinately pissed. They're like, hell nah. Y'all are not going to go like pulling shit like this. Mm-hmm. So they get like a whole bunch of community service and stuff. Right. And also are going to be basically constantly monitored by our last uh, other suspect. Dwayne Shifley. Dwayne Shifley. And he's who? like the black sheep Shifley cousin. Mm-hmm. Who like had some drug problems and went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, he was looking a little uncomfortable at the church, probably because he was going to a 12-step meeting. Right. And so, people were like, ah, he's suspicious. Mm-hmm. And he, and he was out here selling... Uh, he was out here selling geese that did not technically belong to him. Yeah, he was selling some fresh ducks. Our, our brother, not Rob... Geese, sorry, ducks, yeah. Rob asked, we went to go find a fresh turkey. They were out of they were out of fresh turkeys, at st- fresh ducks at the store. They were out of fresh ducks. We're gonna name every bird besides every, the duck. Uh, so they needed a quail, <laughs> and Dwayne was like, "I got a live one for you right here, boss." I'm assuming he had it in his shirt pocket. <laughs> he just opens the shirt. Oh, I, no, he delivers it the next morning. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. But it's funnier. To imagine him with a trench coat. He opens the trench coat. Some fresh here's just duck. A, here's a duck just quacking. Quack. Yeah, it was Rob didn't think that one through. Rob did not think that one through, but at does all. Rob ever think anything through? Not at all. Which is the key <laughs> to his success. Um, but, I mean, there were his cousins, and you can kind of see the train of thought, even though it's stupid, where he mm-hmm. was like, I'm helping take care of my cousin's ducks while he's in the hospital. Yep. So I'm just going to sell a couple ducks to kind of make up for my time. It's shitty. He'll never, he'll never know. The other cousins set him straight, and he's going to pay cousin in the hospital back. Cousin Quincy will get paid back. Cousin Quincy would have also been a suspect if he hadn't been in the hospital because him and Barlman Vest had words because Barlman Vest is the the kind of jerk who moves into a house next door to a working poultry farm and then complains that there's poultry noises. Did you know that in in France, there actually is a rule in one of the countryside towns that protects the countryside because people from the city were moving into the country and complaining that the country was a country. And so they made a rule that was like, Get out of here, fucking Yankees. I'm assuming that this is how it works in France, too. <laughs> well, like, get out of here, you fucking Yankees. This is what the fuck we sound like. Right, right. And so uh, now your chicken can crow as loud as it wants to. Nice. So. I mean, we live in, like, 
a very like, like almost not not like not suburbia. It's like, it's like urban s- but city like suburban. Yeah, su- city suburbs. It's, a, it's like a, a ex- yeah. No, exurbs are further. No, I know. Out, I that's why yeah. I didn't say it because no. I realized I was saying the wrong thing. But no, we we live in a we live like Charlotte, ten minutes away from the okay. So Charlotte, North Carolina center. is not a dense metropolitan area and sprawl. therefore it's it's all urban sprawl so there are three blocks of city city and then the yeah. rest is just right but anyway we live in what is close we live in a neighborhood we live in a residential neighborhood and um, there's a and there's a there's a there's a a, a chicken a, a crock that yeah. grows yes a lot all the time just constantly it's not sun up no because we're out before and after sun up every time we're going to walk it's just crowing no matter what crowing nine so? nine a.m. 3 p.m. doesn't matter. Just out here having, it has a, not been having a good ass time. Oh my! I can't. I can't imagine living inside. So I will say this: in wintertime, much quieter. <laughs> my dude is tired. Same, bud. Same. So it's dark outside. I can't be crowing like this. All right. So that's most of our suspects. Um, who else? Who are your favorite people who show up? So not so much my favorite favorite person because like he's only a one off. I can't remember him being in any other books, but I do remember the first time I read this book, I thought that the new fire chief, um, Chief Featherstone, was going to be a suspect. Same. He was acting like not he was even acting like- a little weird. And there was just okay. I think what really did it was the one scene when Meg looks at him and is like, he has a weirdly shaped body, yeah. and that was just so <laughs> strange that I just assumed that was going to factor in somehow. Right. She's just like, oh, he looks like a barrel on tiny, incredibly skinny legs. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh, that's a weird, like, so, yeah. thing to, to no. point out. And then it's just never mentioned again. It's never, it's never mentioned again, because, like, I don't know. He had, like, the first time reading it, he had, uh, this might be a suspect, suspect vibe. But then every time since then... Like I've read every time I've read it since then. I know, granted, I know, but like I can't, I can't even properly find the things that were pulling me towards. Suspect. I think it's just the combination of newcomer and that weird bit about describing his body. And I think he like, like I have to hold the church up for investigation or something. He's like always that. so but nice always, about it, though. But he is. I know that's the thing. That's the thing. He offers <laughs> everybody breathing apparatus, apparatus, apparatuses, apparati. Oxygen tanks so they don't have to smell the skunks. It's creepy. Basically, apparatuses. Yeah. Um, um, we have uh, we have a mention of cousin Sil- Sylvia, who makes horrible, horrible, gaudy, eye-searing Christmas sweaters. Right. Who Meg offended by selling her stuff at a jamble sale. She I'm donated gonna, it. She, she donated it, and cousin Sylvia found out. And because she hates her now so much, she knitted her a pretty sweater, <laughs> which is a funny touch to that book. Yes. Which happens in the 45 minute long denouement. Yeah, there's a lot of denouement. Which I is cool. I love the denouement. Because we, we get Michael's, uh, this is the, like the fifth year or whatever of Michael's. Um, uh, yeah, his like one man, man Dickens Christmas Carol performance that he does. Yeah. And I love that Michael is just like. Um, like the longer the series go on, like goes on, like the better he gets at everything in life. It's just like it's very sweet and precious. It is. Uh, but like he's so good at this. The whole town shows up, and they raise so much money for charity uh, mm-hmm. for, by doing. Everybody this. just donates a hundred dollars at the door. Right. Because Michael's so great, and this town is so generous. And right. It's just so lovely. <laughs> it's so it's so wonderful. Fuck Clay County, though. Um, <laughs> we also got Caroline showing back up. Caroline Wilner and Grandpa. And they bring a bunch of exotic animals to the live nativity because all the farmers freak out about the pranks and don't want to bring their animals. Including a wolf. 
multiple, multiple wolves. wolves. Thank you very much. Who were champing at the bit, yeah, by the way. They were, uh, they were, little, they were ready little, to go. A little peckish. And so Grandpa had to hold them back. <laughs> but, I mean, which fair. You just brought dinner out in front of them. So. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I do enjoy the bit where they go to Luigi, Luigi's Italian restaurant mm-hmm. and... Uh, one of the twins is very distressed because Luigi's cousin is singing Christmas carols because he's a, a failed opera singer, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, which I assume is supposed to mean that he's still good at singing, not that yes. he was like a bad opera singer. You no, know, he just didn't, he didn't cut, make it professionally. He wasn't as cutthroat to survive in the Italian right. opera scene. Right. So he got shipped to fucking Carfelli, Virginia, so he could work <laughs> at his cousin's pizza restaurant. But anyway, he's singing it with Italian lyrics, and one of the twins is very distressed because. Oh, look, I feel that. It's I, a, I it's a, it's a weird, that. like, discordant, like, you're mm-hmm. expecting one thing because of the tune, and then another thing happens. Uh, honestly, especially, um, depending on certain songs, like, Italian versions sound one way, and, like, German versions sound a different way, and mm. French versions sound another way. But I can imagine... <laughs> we got a French hater over here. Um, it's the worst language. <laughs> primarily because I can't pronounce French words to save my life. Chocolate bleu. Ugh. Yeah, just gar, gar. But anyway, uh, it's pommes frites. Oof. Um, but yeah, I can imagine the Italian version of some of these songs. Adela's Noches or whatever, if you're used to hearing it in English, would uh, mess your four-year-old brain up. Yeah. So I feel that. I'm with you, Jamie. On that note, one thing I do really like about this book is I feel like, I don't know, maybe one of the other books is where it really starts, but um, just kind of like how distinct the twins are. Mm-hmm. how they're not just like version one and version two of a child like they're they're two different kids that have slightly different like interests and proclivities and stuff and she shows a lot of that through the books um, yes with this like how into they are how they're how much they're into different things like they're both like you know kids and curious about pretty much everything but one of them's more in the music and one of them's more into animals and mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah yeah, Jamie and Josh, despite having shitty names, are um, distinct individuals. Yes. Now, because they're named Jamie and Josh, I can I remember, never which, remember which. which one's which. Yeah. Like, I think Jamie's the theater nerd. I think you're right, but I'm I would not sure swear Jamie's to it. I'm pretty sure Jamie's theater nerd, and I'm pretty sure that Josh is not the theater nerd. Mm-hmm. So, like, I got that part at least, but, mm-hmm. like, wouldn't swear on it. Yeah. Yeah. 30 books in, I wouldn't, wouldn't swear you know what? We will find out in Lark. Nah. Uh, the fifth one of these Christmas books because, or six, because she says specifically that I know it's not fair, but at least once, uh, let me have a, I'm allowed to have a favorite. favorite. <laughs> I'm allowed to have a favorite just for a minute. Because one of them is not being persnickety about their fucking costume. And so yep. I I remember that part uh, pretty well. Um, all right. So I have two more notes. Go for them. Okay. Extend your expend expel your notes. Okay. So, <laughs> what? I don't know. I, um, this is like a small thing. I really like the bit where Meg is trying to have just like a quiet moment, and she sits down. And she looks at all the Christmas cards that people have sent, and she's just like, you know what? I'm not even gonna read the notes. I'm just gonna look at the pictures. And she has this moment where she's like, she has to like stop herself from trying to do something quote unquote productive mm-hmm. with the Christmas cards, like noting down addresses or making sure that all the people that sent them letters or ones she sent letters to and so on and so forth. And like, I was just like hard identified with that. Like, right. It's like just enjoying something and it's reminding so, yourself yeah. that you don't have to do be productive at every moment. Correct. Um, and we get this, we get the shout out little Timmy. 
Yeah, and it's also, yeah, it's also fun because you get a lot of callbacks to a bunch of characters from previous books. Yeah, all, all, every suspect from a previous murder mystery. Just <laughs> <laughs> and a, a bunch of like back, uh, side characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have to have our final fight. Oh, okay, cool, because we're running out of time. Okay, so. let's have a quick fight. Right. The, the meal storyline. Right. So both the mothers, Meg's mother and Michael's mother, are both having are having like competing Christmas dinners, one earlier in the day, one later in the day. Mm-hmm. And both of them are making like offbeat. See, offbeat. Uh, mom is doing seafood stuff. And then Mrs. Waterston is also doing, she's going pan-Asian mm-hmm. with hers, with the main course of lobster. Yep. Mom's, mom is making turkey, but it's stuffed with seafood. Correct. Which um, Meg is allergic to, by the way. Which Meg is allergic to, which is um, fun. Yes. You know, and nice. Nothing and we're familiar with in this household. <laughs> it's not like Micah's uh, had... brother's graduation party. Right. Uh, where, where my uncle decides that, I know, it's your, I know it's your graduation party and this is for you. And you're here's allergic some, to uh, here's crab. Here's some crab legs that you're allergic to. The crab was good, though. Oh, it was, was, deli- it was delicious. I'm just saying, I may not have brought it to Austin's particular party. Yeah. Yeah. That's Fair. all I'm saying. Fair. But, uh, so... Meg and Michael are kind of like, man, we just want a regular ass um, Christmas dinner. So they decided to do a special little old New Year's Eve dinner mm-hmm. with just them and the twins. But then their nosy ass family all finds out and crashes in. It's very cute. Out. It's adorable. It's a, it's incredibly adorable and heartwarming. And they all fit into an increasingly cramped apartment. Yes. Uh, it's very cute. Yes. Um, Where the bathroom is literally apart from the, of the house by, by a curtain. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, why not just bar his friend's whole house at that point? Like to make the joke. Anyway. Work. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. It's very cute. Um basically mm. I fall on the side of this is nice and I sympathize and Micah hates Christmas. Oh, facts. I I am the Grinch. I do hate Christmas. All you who's on a Whoville can get wrecked. <laughs> um Micah makes the good point, which I caught as well in this read and noted, which is that at one point, uh, I think it's Meg references eating uh, a traditional meal like the pilgrims ate. I think uh, Michael actually says it. Okay. But they also like the the pilgrims ate. It's like, dude, dude. Because Michael's the one who's like gone full ham on like. A, pilgrims didn't eat that shit. Right. B, fuck the pilgrims. Amen. (laughs) Um. But I'm just saying, I can sympathize with, like, on Meg's side, she wants, like, the meal that she grew up with and the nostalgia of eating that every year at Christmas. And then on Michael's side, he grew up never eating the traditional, like, uh, you know, traditional American Christmas dinner or whatever. And he saw all of his friends doing it. And he felt left out. And he wants to do the thing. And he's wistful. Um, I do I do think that Thanksgiving or Christmas are too close together and the foods are too similar. But I just think that's one more reason to get rid of Thanksgiving. That's fine. I'm just saying I don't have that nostalgia for Christmas in that way. Some of us do. This is about fucking Jesus. It's not about this goddamn turkey. So, like, relax. You're honey. not even religious. It's not the point. <laughs> this isn't the point. The point is it's about a baby who was born at a separate time from this, but it's not important. We take over this holiday for ourselves. It's about a baby Jesus, well, baby not can about have turkey. Some the baby can have some turkey and some mashed potatoes. That's fine. <laughs> All I'm saying is, when I, when my family switched from the traditional turkey dinner to a seafood to a basically a fish fry for Christmas, 
you have never seen a happier person in your life. Oh, and I was totally on board with that too. I am fucking ecstatic. Because it sounds so close to Thanksgiving. I am just... And the other thing is, the book is positing the same theory that I've heard, not just in this book, but around, that like... (sighs) There's like some kind of war on traditional Christmas dinner being posited by people who want to eat fucking seafood or whatever. And it's just like, <laughs> who, who, where is this happening? Where is this assault on Christmas dinner? Because Christmas dinner seems to be happening all the time, everywhere, traditionally, with turkey and cranberry sauce and the roast beast. We do have the same thing every year. And I just think it's cool to switch it up. Like they were like so like hardcore. And then everybody showed up and was like, you're right. You know what? It does suck to do anything new and different ever. <laughs> we were wrong to ever decide to want to like change up any part of our lives ever. We should be the same as we were 400 years ago. I agree. Reinstitute slavery. Changing what I'm up saying. things is somewhat nice, but also having some traditions is also nice. But Michael's tradition just got shit on. Like, like he wasn't allowed to, he, like, his character couldn't like his tradition. He had to hate his tradition for the traditional ass shit, for, like, the regular, like, born white people, whatever, of just having the turkey and the and the mashed potatoes and the and the tomato aspect. You can't, can't live without jelly tomato. Um, but, like, it was, it's impossible to fathom that somebody could grow up enjoying eating something different every day for Christmas. Impossible to fathom that. Can't happen. No one can like this. Fine. That's all I'm saying. I felt, saying. I felt left out of this one. It's nice and heartwarming. I was wistful. I have feelings. I have about, feelings too about fried fish. About Christmas. I want a lobster. And nostalgia. And Chinese food. That's where my nostalgia is on Christmas. <laughs> I love eating Chinese, Chinese food, food on Christmas. Basketball. basketball and Chinese food on Christmas rocks. Fair, it, fair. It's good times. You meet your Jewish friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You watch a basketball game. You eat some Chinese food. And then I go to my family's. Because they don't start on time. Ever. Ever. Or anywhere we close. Start, we start at 6 a.m. We don't start on time. <laughs> we eat breakfast. Even when I, like when I live with them. We would sit there and we eat breakfast. And we open presents and we post. And then we drive all the way up to Mooresville. And then we just post. And Christmas dinner would happen. When it happened. Eventually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it lasted all night. <laughs> and then strangers would show up in the house and we were like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, there are definitely a few years when people showed up uh, that I had never seen before, you had never seen before, we have not seen again since. This is this is really where I like identify the most with Meg. <laughs> it's just when it's like, oh, there's just cousins. Just, just, who's ev- that? just Cousin? everywhere. Except for my cousins aren't nearly as useful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't got lawyers or doctors, or a judge. No, the judge is not her cousin. The judge is the shiftless cousin. No, she, I think she has it. She, has, she, does, she does have a judge cousin. He's no, not, maybe they're all lawyers. She has a fleet of lawyers, but one of them also is a judge. Okay, fair. But that's in Yorktown. Yeah. It's not here, because the Langslows yeah. are from Yorktown. Yeah. Okay, we have to go. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. How did the parents end up buying a house in Carfilly when the only topic of this the entire series, 30-something books, the only topic that matters is that the housing shortage in Carfilly is fucking crucial. And yet, we never actually go over, like, the they just, I know. Because they are loaded. Yes. He's a doctor, and she is loaded. Yes. I assume this family muddy. I'm assuming, also did I'm, very well I assume she's an excellent blackmailer. And they've, I, I don't know, have they really made that much money off of Mutant Wizard stock at this point? Not yet. Well, they're not yeah. selling Mutant Wizard stock, though. They just have, like, yeah. like, their net worth is high. Yeah. But, like, they aren't, like, yeah. no, they got they ready money. cash it out. They just have, they just were in it, went in there and bought a rundown farmhouse and made it look nice or what have you. 
over time. Their summer home, they still have the house in Yorktown. Yeah. I thought about that when I was reading this one, because she just mentions that, like, this happens, once the main series moves to Carfilly full-time, they just have the farmhouse eventually. And I I didn't think about it really until, like, this book, this reading, until, like, 90 books in or whatever. Uh, It's like, wait a second. They just bought a house. Mm -hmm. When the main storyline... The reason why she, ha- the reason why Meghan Michael had this nonsensical farmhouse, the reason why the Whispering Pines is able to exist, is because there's a cr- there's a crucial housing shortage, and yet mom and dad just rolled in this spot and bought a farm, bought a whole farm. It's good to be rich. Never mind. It's not that simple. I mean, it was. It's not. It was during the takeover. It's been a while since I read that book. So. It's doing the takeover. Scratch all that yeah. I said. So the last five minutes we can just erase. <laughs> uh, so we're going to round up with saying what the book is that we are reading next. Excellent. Because I've already forgot. Oh, <laughs> The Nightingale Before Christmas. Exactly. Another excellent title. Exactly. Yes. So stay tuned. The next episode will come whenever it does. Whenever it does.